I promise when you put it up and you see that yoke, you can't do nothing but get your roll on. You can't do nothing but get your roll on. I got three words for you. You like that? Easy. He jumped inside of me. How about a oot oot? He gets away from the pressure. Fires to the end zone. It's hot! It's Greg Lewis! Monday, January 16th, and the Minnesota Vikings season has come to an end. They fell last night to the New York Giants in the wild card round. And yeah, a their first one score loss of the season uh, comes in the playoffs. And yeah, the season ends at home, unfortunately. Uh, Ryan Lundin, we were at the game, um, you know, love the playoff atmosphere and all. But as you left U.S. Bank Stadium last night, what was kind of the overall feeling? Um walking out those doors the the feeling was definitely somber um i think it was just so frustrating the way that we lost this game um and i don't know if frustrating is the right word because i guess if you had to pick a way that the viking this vikings team as constructed was going to lose the defense was going to let them down that was pretty plain and simple um but i just feel the the way the defense let them down was uh, against Daniel Jones and, and credit to Brian Dable, but um, against the talent that the New York giants have on the offensive side of the ball, that that should not have been the the result of that game. Yeah. I th- we were talking about it during the game, kind of win or loss last night, if they pulled it out or not, obviously it was close to the end. But the way the defense was performing, I don't think I think that any illusions of a, a serious run <laughs> were out the window um, with the way the defense performed. And it was just so disappointing because you feel like, you know, we've been to, you know, big time home games, big time home playoff games before. And you feel like, you know, home field advantage is supposed to mean something, especially helping the defense, the crowd noise. They did everything they could. We were into it. They bring John Randall out before the game. Everyone is hyped. There was no letdown from the crowd whatsoever. But I don't think it made, you know, the three-point home advantage that you get on from Vegas. I don't think it made a half a point of difference last night for the defense. And that's that's how bad the defense um, turned out to be, um, where even the things that are supposed to help you out against, again, a guy that's, uh, was this Daniel Jones' first playoff game? Um, first playoff start? Mm-hmm. Must I be, I'm so. pretty sure. Yeah. So that's disappointing. Um, and that's, I think, just a sign of yeah how far we've fallen. So we'll get into the defense, of course, coaching versus, you know, the personnel. Um, and then we'll get into, I want to start with the defense because all year we've been a little bit focused on offensive issues. And there were definitely some gripes that I want to get to that are reasons that the Vikings couldn't win the game on offense. But if we're assigning blame, I don't know, 80% of it goes to the defense probably for that game. Do you think that's pretty fair? Yeah, I'd say 80, 85. Um, <laughs> not that the, like like you said, not that the the offense was um, blameless, but just the in the manner that the defense played, 
Um, if you really break it down, I, I, they only got one stop and you mentioned it, the home field advantage, you got the crowd into it, the U S bank, almost called it the Zigloo. Um, U <laughs> S bank is like rocking and just like that first drive, you get a penalty on the first play. Yeah. First penalty. It's against the guy that's been chirping you about not U S bank, not being loud. And we give up, I, I think, 18 yards on the 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 first and 10 or first and 20 after that. Like the the defense did nothing. And obviously you're going to be quiet while the offense is on the field. So then you're really trying to, you know, get up, get up, get energized when your inferior unit is on the field. And they did not give us anything to cheer about really all, all night. I think they had two sacks, maybe three sacks. Um but it was just one of them is when Daniel Jones would rather have the clock keep running than than those five yards. And one of them he was running, he just got tackled behind the line of scrimmage. Yeah. So it's like it the the defense, I think the most frustrating part for me, um, as I looked at it, is it didn't seem like this was a different way of beating this Vikings defense. I feel like this is how this Vikings defense got beat all year long and whether we made strides in the last four weeks or not we just went back to you know week two where we couldn't stop anything over the middle and especially Daniel Jones being who he is he does not like to throw outside the numbers and we forced him to do that maybe once yeah it was not a lot of stuff down the field but they would catch something and either get a block or break a tackle and I mean it was kind of a tough way to go for some of our defensive veterans who may have, you know, had their last moments in purple, who looks like he got someone lined up and, you know, they run right by Eric Hendricks or Harrison Smith had the bad one on the Saquon touchdown and a bunch of others where, yeah, they did not provide much resistance, um, whether they were in the vicinity of the ball carriers or not. And then, yeah, Daniel Jones running all over the place did not feel like they brought anything special to the table as Ed Donatel claimed they would um, in this game, really on either side of the ball, but especially on, on defense. Yeah, absolutely. The, the Daniel Jones, um, I got to look what he finished with. Um, I would assume he was their leading rusher. Yeah. 17 carries, which is over six um, for 78 yards. Um, That, that was just like game within the game. Like, we know Daniel Jones is likely going to try to beat us with his legs. If not, you know, pull, pull a ball down and and run with it before he necessarily should. I feel like that's his MO as a quarterback. And it seemed like we were just shocked that he left the pocket every time it was 15 yards, 12 to 15 yards every time he left the pocket. And it was just demoralizing for the defense. And they hyped themselves up. They they announced the defensive starters in this game and, our guys on the edge, Daniil Hunter and Zadarius Smith, came out last, coming out together, um, following the great John Randall, of course. And um, I said, you know, they're going to do this, give them top billing, come out as a unit, whatever, better live up to it. And um, combined one sack, I don't know if I saw Zadarius do much of anything in the whole game. Daniil had a couple moments. Had, I think he had the one sack, but disappointing all around. No, No playmakers, no really blue chip guys on the defensive side of the ball and also no infusion of, of some of the young talent that we've seen 
throughout the year that might have given you a little bit of it just looked like they were slower than everybody on the Giants um, was the biggest thing, not to mention the, you know, scheme issues. Yeah, and I don't want to point to one specific thing, um, but I will. Yeah, it's Brian Asamo, my guy. He's been playing these last couple of weeks, and I mentioned it the first Giants game where he has a forced fumble, recovers it himself, overall has a great game. And I said, I'm really glad he's getting snaps. I hope it's not just a product of us being clinched for the division or whatever it is. And Brian, I, I don't know if the plan was to get him involved later. That is a perfect QB spy as a linebacker, a guy that can run field to field. We looked slow all of the beginning of the year because he wasn't seeing the field. And when he did see the field, maybe we gave up more in the run game, but we did look faster. He is very fast for a linebacker and he gets zero defensive snaps last night. Now, granted, he does does get the concussion on a special teams play second or third quarter. Who knows? Either way, there was plenty of time to get him snaps um and and we just didn't and i don't know how many times i asked for jordan hicks to see the bench <laughs> and he was one of the top top defensive snap getters on the night so i just feel like that that it goes back to exactly the same exact way you got beat by looking slow by missing tackles in the regular season you just allowed that to happen we made i don't know schematically if we made adjustments from zone to man whatever but it was just so frustrating that even if you make the schematic adjustments, it doesn't require the the offense to change what they're doing at all. Like they, they can beat us with the same plays, whether with we're in zone or man, that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. It was a lot of crossers across the field where our guys are getting outrun Jordan Hicks. Like you said, even, you know, Patrick Peterson had a really good year. That's kind of the way to beat him at this stage of his career, I think. And yeah, they were, I think just out coached flat out. And also, cause I think the giants and Vikings are pretty similar teams on paper talent wise. I might give the edge to the Vikings even a little bit overall, especially on offense. But um, I do think that they were out coached in this game. That was what was the kind of glaring issue, but you know, we're, we're going to get to the, you know, what's going to happen with some of the off season decisions, especially at Donatel. And if they fire at Donatel, that's fine by me. I just don't think that that's the number one, solution to fixing the defense i think that has to come with a lot of personnel issues too he's not done anything for me to make me think that he's like above a replacement level defensive coordinator so i'd be fine if they moved on but i really think that what he had to work with is was pretty glaring um especially in this game um just with the the age of the defense as well as the lack of of talent that's come in over the last four or five drafts yeah, we 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 talked about it a little bit that there you can make the argument whether we've drafted a defensive starter, a, a real defensive starter, you know, Cameron Dancer, Cam Bynum since 2015. Um, but the fact of the matter is there is not a, a impactful player that we've drafted since 2015 on the defense. Like the Daniel and and Kendricks, and there's there's questions to how effective they are now or how impactful they are now as well just given their age daniel's still quite young how are they in the same draft that's crazy yeah that doesn't make any sense (laughs) um but that's that's really the glaring need 
Um, I think part of it is just from from the years of Zimmer, it seemed like he could do a little more with less because of the scheme. Um, and it just seemed like, you know, Ed Donatel. I'm out on Ed Donatel solely because my boy Brian doesn't get any snaps in, in the playoff game. And if you reviewed the film from the last four weeks and couldn't make the couldn't discern that he was making an impact on the field and and he was improving week over week, then that's not the guy that I want to coach my defense. Yeah, and it did seem like they were not at all prepared for the possibility of Daniel Jones running the ball in the first half. They cleaned it up a little bit in the second half, but no spy, no real plan for him once he got outside the pocket and it it killed them over and over again. So, yeah, that's that. Like we said, 80% of the reason they lost this game is on the defense. And because of the way that the game went, like you said, only one stop before the, you know, the big drop at the end of the game, which maybe we feel different if they just had converted that and the Vikings didn't get another chance, but they did. And what I'll say, the Vikings offense played a good game, pretty good game, I would say, in this. But because of what the defense was giving you, they needed basically a perfect game, and they were not perfect. And this is where... So again, O'Connell, like I can't say he coached a bad game, but I do think a couple, the margin for error is so small in the playoffs, especially with this defense, and... It was a little bit frustrating the times that they did fail felt like um, issues within his either play calling or just kind of what they came into this game expecting. So I think we know what the kind of the three failures were, the three drives that, you know, fell short and then got them behind. Which one was your favorite? Which one do you want to pick to start with? How do you define favorite? The one that that (laughs) frustrated me the most or I think... um my least favorite or most frustrating is the third and one uh, Justin Jefferson pass back to Kirk. And I was asking for a Justin Jefferson pass all week, but third and one, it, it seems like this was similar to the fake punt we ran. I don't remember what the game was on, on a fourth and one inside our own territory. Save the trick plays when you need at least six yards. And you know, it like, Delvin averaged Delvin averaged four yards a rush here. Um, that's just I I don't know. It's just Kevin yeah, O'Connell would rather throw the ball to Kirk Cousins on third and one than run the ball. And and Kirk, I'll give credit to Kirk in this moment. He made a move and and tried to get there, but yep. we're expecting him to get at least eight yards yak when there's two defenders. And and you mentioned it uh, multiple times throughout the game. When he draws that up, the throw back to Kirk, where does he expect the defenders to go? Right. Like, we're trying to draw them to Kirk. Well, and Jefferson was not selling run there. You know, he was, I think we could tell he was getting ready to throw. So even if it was, even if you think all 11 are going to flow to that side of the field, it would have happened pretty quickly. And the throw takes longer to get back to Kirk than it, than the defender does. So, you know, I guess the ball is faster than the man in basketball, but maybe not in this case. So... Um, pretty. And then O'Connell comes out after the game and is like, I, I didn't love the play call. I'm like who called it? Uh, so yeah, I guess we got what we asked for with the Jefferson pass, but maybe, um, which play was better that one or the attempt to Kirk by Diggs that one game, he was wide open on that one against the Packers that one year where he dove. That was, just, that was, that was a better. good play. That was a good play. Just, uh, Get him down the Diggs. field. 
Diggs didn't quite execute on the throw um, or Kirk was, was posted up and not running down the field, but that, that, that at least was a throw beyond the sticks. Yes. Not to so lead if, us into another play, but if it's not going to be, yeah, we'll get there. If it's not going to be a double pass, cause it was a forward pass to Kirk after a, a pitch to Jefferson, why is he still so far behind the line of scrimmage? That's what I don't understand. And I don't think it was going to be a double pass because I don't think anyone is over there for him to throw it to either. So why not just get upfield? I don't know. There was never, one guy there was one guy deep, but Kirk was not going to be in a situation to yeah. be able to set his feet and get the ball to him. Right. Like KJ Osborne was like 50 yards downfield. <laughs> so I had to watch yeah. it again. I wonder if Jefferson just runs there if he gets it. I don't I, I think don't he well, I think he's closer than Kirk ends up obviously, but um, I remember it setting up and I was like, before I realized he was going to pass thinking, I don't love this play call, but I think Mm -hmm. he still might get it. And, and then he throws it back and I'm like, Oh boy, that (laughs) was something else. So yeah, that, that play along with, um, I I won't put this one, the, the first one on, um, or I guess that was the first one, the second drive that didn't score. Right. Um, it's not Smith really, drop. yeah, the Irv Smith drop that, that I'm not going to put that on Kevin O'Connell because if Irv catches that he gains 15 to 20 yards, um, he at least picks up the, the first down on third and three. And I, <laughs> I don't know. You, it was actually we, second and three. And then we threw again on third down. So again, another, another third and three run uh, throw instead of a run. Incomplete. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. You talked about it. You were saying, you know, Johnny Munt gives you what Johnny Munt gives you. And I was yeah, like, I'm three yards. I'm ready catch. to, I, I have to eat some crow on that one. Cause I thought, you know, get, give Irv some, some more yak potential than Johnny Munt. But, um, the, the after, you're receiving tight end, you have to be able to catch the ball after catch is a big, <laughs> um, big part of the yak. Um, so that, that really is where that went wrong. Yeah, so those are the two. Uh, I mentioned there's three kind of failed drives. I guess there's four, but three that really stuck out to me. And that's not even the last one. The last one I think was, you know, desperation, and it's going to be talked about more than anything. But I think the other ones are were more frustrating at the time, at least for me. So the other one is they get the ball back after they scored the first time, two times out of half, um, get the ball back with, and then the Giants. So that was to tie the game. The Giants come back down and score. And are up seven. So the Vikings get the ball. Seven minutes left. And um, they proceed to go screen pass for negative four yards. So this is like seasons on the line drive here. You know, you may get the ball back one more time, but you have to have a drive here. Screen to Dalvin, negative four. Screen to the other side to Hawkinson for three yards, which he probably actually would have got more. It was a really good, pl- good play by Thibodeau, but still maybe try to do a little bit more than a, you know, three yard pass. Um, and then incomplete pass to Delvin cook, which I guess would have probably not got there anyway. So you go quick three and out and punt after the giants has had a long methodical touchdown drive. So when you needed it most, um, the offense couldn't come through. They did get the ball back again, which they almost didn't, um, had not, had it not been for the drop, um, by the giants receiver. So then they go and, you know, we stall at midfield. There's the the miss to KJ, then there's the um, fourth down, three-yard pass on fourth and eight, which everyone's going to talk about. It's bad, but Kirk was probably the Vikings' best player throughout this entire game, so I'm not going to 
place more than 5% of the blame on that play for the game. Yeah, I think we're both in agreement that if the Vikings play better, that that play has no bearing on the game. Um, But, you know, just breaking down that play in a vacuum, are you more upset with Kirk throwing it to Hawkinson in that situation, um, understanding that he's under pressure? Are you more upset with Kevin O'Connell calling a play that has an opportunity for that to happen, knowing Kirk Cousins is your quarterback? Yeah, and if your second best receiving threat is Hawkinson, why is he the one going short? If you don't think Thielen's going to win, you know, Osborne maybe gave him another shot after the third down play, but that is a bigger question, which is why was Justin Jefferson taken out of this game in the second half so badly when, you know, there wasn't very efficient, but they were getting, he had what, six catches in the first half probably? Like they were getting it to him and he was, you know, they were mostly short, but moving the ball. And I don't know why that couldn't have continued doing that. And then he was not even targeted in the in the fourth quarter. So whether you want to throw it up to him in double coverage every time, I don't know. But that's what I think is Kevin O'Connell getting out coached or just not coaching well enough to be able to you have to be able to scheme some things for him. And I mean, for the most part in this game, they were taking advantage of the doubles and triples he was seeing. Hawkinson had a great game. Um, you know, others had um Osborne's touchdown, you know, other moments like that. But when you really need something to not be able to either use Justin Jefferson or use what they're doing to take him away to your advantage is where I think they left something to be desired. So I have some big questions about Kevin O'Connell as an X's and O's guys. I think I, I think he proved this year, you know, he's a, he's a guy that can lead the, lead the locker room. Maybe that's more important, but I think there's a lot to learn coming out of this game for both him and, and Kirk. I mean, I mean, I can't defend him for making that throw. Like he's all year. That's something that he hasn't done. He's been willing to, you know, make those push the ball downfield when he needed to and stuff. But I don't know, I guess getting into that situation in the first place, why, you know, why is the first down hurry up pass, you know, a deep flag to, to Adam Thielen and why, you know, that's doesn't have much of a chance. And then, you know, you're getting into this third and long fourth and long situation when, you know, theoretically the defense is playing back a little bit and again why couldn't they get the ball to justin jefferson even if it's only six seven yards a pop even if it's letting him try to run after the catch you know on if you're throwing screens to someone you know why not him so that was the bigger frustration overall i think on that play you know i don't love the play call i think it's still probably more on kirk but again if your second best player is not a viable option and your first best player is being taken out then I don't think you're giving yourself much of a chance, especially with the pressure that, you know, got to Kirk too. The more I've looked at it, I, I, it really falls a lot on Kevin O'Connell. One thing I was not aware of until today is uh, Daybold is not calling the plays for the giants. Mm -hmm. It's, it's Kafka. So like you said, X's and O's guys, I think Kevin O'Connell can probably drop a great game plan, do what he did essentially in LA and I don't know if Wes Phillips is the guy or whoever it is to call plays, but maybe there's someone who has a better feel for the flow or extending drive, something like that. This play call, again, I put on Kevin O'Connell because the the, the routes are as follows. Justin Jefferson's running a, a flag or whatever go pattern up the right side. Very well known that he's going to be doubled. He was essentially triple teamed on that play. On the left side, you've got Adam Thielen Thielen running a go pattern. 
which I I don't know if that's a viable play at this stage of Adam's career. And then you've got, I think what is the number one read here is a deep crosser by KJ. It's fourth and eight. We, we, if you're going to throw short, throw quick. Well, right. You know, exactly. Run. The other two are the Hawkinson route, which is three yards and Delvin cook, which is going to catch the ball behind the line of scrimmage. But Kevin O'Connell called a play that's designed to get 20 yards. Right. On, on fourth and eight like you mentioned the the justin jefferson if i i understand they can change their defense but if they if they go to him twice and he gets seven yards both times then the the drive's still alive so it's just those are the type of things that's the biggest thing i need to see kevin o'connell come away with is the ability to call the game within the game and extend drives when he needs to. I understand it's really fun. It's really great to be an explosive offense, but, you know, take those shots on second and two and then have something a surefire way, whether it's running the ball, whether it's a quick passing option to get that first down on the third and twos, the third and threes, those those things. And I felt like that's what they were working a lot more in the first half with some of those quick, quick hitters, which isn't something we've seen a lot of, of this offense I feel like it's the most natural thing for him probably is those deeper drops and more long developing plays which has been at times an issue and yeah the last thing I'll say about it is I guess you know some of the if you do take away the play calling from O'Connell which I'm not necessarily saying you have to do I'd be intrigued about it either way but some of the clock management stuff maybe gets better hopefully Um, I've got a lot of questions about that still and that was where they we're kind of rushing there. I don't know how many timeouts we had left. We didn't have any timeouts, I guess. So they wanted to get a playoff before the two-minute warning. And that's where they go um, to the kind of the Adam Thielen um, deep flag route that gets overthrown. And I don't know. If you're going to do something like that on a no huddle, uh, maybe throw it up to Jefferson instead of Thielen. And maybe you either get a flag or, you know, have a better a better shot there. So. It's it's a frustrating combination, and then yeah, they dump off to Dalvin. But yeah, on that play, you either have you either getting unless he's based on the timing. I don't think any of those targets were going to happen eight to ten yards. It was going to be like you said, fifteen or more yards down the field. And then your other two dump off options are both because Dalvin's going left and um, Hawkins is going right. They're both getting five or less yards on that unless they're wide open. So. I don't know. Maybe that's what happens when you practice against this at Donatel defense all all season, but you think you can get that. Um, so it's unfortunate. I do think Kirk really played a, played well um, throughout the game. I saw something today. Um, I don't know if I can pull it up, but basically no team has ever lost a playoff game, completing 80% of their passes with no turnovers. And there's one other thing there too, um, which the Vikings did and lost. So Good, not great effort out of the offense. I do, I, it was a little disappointing just again on the coaching front. I felt like there was hopefully another gear that they could get to, whether it was O'Connell kind of holding back some stuff the last few weeks or, I don't know, just having something special for us in the playoffs. And what they had was a Justin Jefferson throwback to Kirk Cousins on third and one. So, yeah, a little bit disappointing just to see a, a creative team come in here, coached by Dable. And then our offense and, and defense to just both play pretty 
pretty straightforward and not um, be able to utilize their uh, talents and stuff in the best way, I guess. I mean, yeah, look at I've... how the Giants, you know, kept Saquon, kept getting Saquon involved when we could not do that with Jefferson. Yeah, absolutely. And to a to a greater or uh, equal extent, like Delvin Cook, if if he's as good as you say he is as one of your top playmakers, 15 yards, 15 carries for 60 yards. And I guess he did get seven targets, but like he, there, it just didn't seem like there was schemed open plays for from Kevin O'Connell. On that, um, on that drive, why do you not just run the ball to him on first down instead of call a screen when his screens have never worked this other than the one against the Colts that never worked this whole season? So, well, that, yeah, that just run the up. ball on first down instead of losing four yards. And if you remember the Giants game, um, this <laughs> I think this and obviously the Colts game are where we really started to see the screen game work, but it wasn't, Out it wasn't. Backfield. No, it was tunnel screens, wide receiver. Like Delvin's was, he out was wide. lined up out yeah. wide. So I, I have no idea. It just seems like if we were gonna get beat, at least beat, get beat with some of our best stuff. Don't try and, all right, now we know how we can get this screen game to work when it hasn't worked for seventeen games all year in a, a consistent fashion. But yeah, I would ask. I, I would like to ask Kevin if I could maybe off the record, because I'm sure he wouldn't say this in, in a press conference or whatever. You know, you talk about being your best when your best is required. What are your best plays, Kevin, when you think that your best is going to be required? And why are you running this this screenplay and this throwback to Kirk? Um, like, don't you have, what's the section of your play calling sheet that's like, when we need something, this is what we're going with. And why are you not using it? Or either that or you have the wrong place. I don't know. Yeah, and I don't know if they completely wrote off, you know, kind of the Bears game or or whatever, but I don't know. CJ. Like CJ Ham is not involved at all in the passing game, which in years past I said CJ Ham was too big a part of our passing game, but like those are the different things where you're exploiting matchups. CJ Ham seems to be much more sure-handed than Irv and decent after the catch, at least is going to go north and south. And he just doesn't, you know, doesn't get a target, which is fine. Fullback is potentially not where what you need in this league. But if you go back, and hopefully Kevin will do this and, and have his eyes open to some extent, it just seemed as a whole when C.J. Ham, you know, was lined up, offset eye, whatever it was, this offense was a little more successful both running and passing. Um, and then it doesn't seem like we use that to our advantage Um throughout the playoffs or this yeah, one they were it. never really far enough behind in this game where I feel like they needed to be really chasing, you know, totally abandoning the run chasing points in the way that they kind of ended up doing it again. Not the, not the number one reason they lost, but with the way that this team is constructed, that's um, what they needed to do to, to win was um, kind of execute at their best on offense. And there were a couple big mistakes that were not enough to overcome um, just based on the, the scoreboard. So anything else about the game last night before we look a little bit ahead to the last thing I'll say is just, again, it's unfortunate to lose, especially at home, um, lose a playoff game, but it became very clear to me as that game went on really after the first two giants drives <laughs> that this team um, was 
going to be in for a tough time um, next week at San Francisco had they won. So I do also think if you'll, you know, we've been, we were at the, the Blair Walsh game. Of course, we've watched some, some heartbreakers in the past um, in the Vikings playoff history. And it's always easier, I think, to lose a game where you get outplayed instead of one where it's like, you feel like you should have won, but you know, you had turned the ball over or you missed a field goal or whatever else. And I do think, you know, pretty evenly matched teams. Um, but I think it's fair to say that the Giants outplayed the Vikings yesterday. So that's easier for me to, to deal with at least. So, you know, we're on to, to the off season. Yeah. I think it's a lot easier to say you got out coached um, when you made it to the playoffs with a first year head coach as a 13 win team, you know, like against a first year head coach, but yes, I'm not, that's not what <laughs> I was going to focus on. Um, but yeah, just those type of things. It, it is a little easier to swallow than, you know, Blair Walsh situation. But um, the one thing I will say about the game is I cannot believe that the NFL delayed this kick oh, by yeah. 20 minutes. So we have all this discussion about, the halftime break in the Super Bowl is an extra mm-hmm. four minutes. How how are we like the Giants were off the field for almost 45 minutes yeah. prior to kick? You know, we we had talked about wow, they went in early and then they're in the like that stuff just really grinds my gears. I can't imagine the exit or the the numbers on how much money they would have lost by viewers of X and Y with the bills game and the Miami game that I, I can't imagine that that is impactful Does it break down like that. Like NFL's minutes, bottom you know? line. Yeah. yeah. I have no idea. And the game was still going on when we kicked off anyway. So like, I, I, I don't get it. I didn't like it. Uh, I don't think that obviously both teams had to deal with it. I'm not saying that had any bearing on the game. I just feel like for player safety, you know, maybe our older guys, Adam Thielen, Harrison Smith tightened up a little bit because they spent so much time in the locker room. (laughs) You know, that's really taking it too far, but I just, I don't understand the NFL's decision-making on that. Like if you're worried about that, spread the games out a little more. Yeah. Especially how long these playoff games get sometimes. So yeah, I don't understand why that makes such a difference. And yeah, it's not like the final four where you're all playing in the same, same arena. So thank goodness for that. But yeah, push the game into a bit of more of a primetime window. Maybe that's what cost us in the end. So unfortunate. Um, my, I know there's kind of two ways to go after after a season ends, especially a season like this, 13 and four, everything. You can either, you know, look back fondly and, you know, remember all the good times we had. I'm not really ready to do that yet. I think I definitely will remember this season very fondly. And it's been, you know, lots of great memories, the great games, you know, we've been able to, fortunate to be able to to podcast after games like this and have um, some good time capsules to listen back to. I'm sure, you know, the Bills game, the Colts game, whatever, but I don't know. I don't feel like, you know, watching Vikings highlights or anything like that right now certainly was a successful season um, for what they did. But my natural kind of move is to look directly at the salary cap situation and the off season and what comes next. So um, a little bit more ruthless than sentimental, but that's where I'm going now. And I'm sure, at some point, Vikings, you know, highlight um, reel of the season will come up on YouTube and I'll sit down and have a nice night. But um, that's where I'm at. Do you? I think that's kind of where you're at, too. Is that correct? Yeah, I think this loss just um, especially the way we lost in, you know, foreshadowing to what would have happened in San Francisco or Philadelphia or 
in the Super Bowl against a Patrick Mahomes type situation. I think that all leads to enjoy the seasons while you can. Like this season was fun. Get involved, whatever. Like you can call the Vikings frauds all you want. I am not going to go that route. I'm just going to enjoy the wins for what they are. You know, we don't get a lot of 13 win seasons here in Minneapolis. So enjoy it and find a way to do it again. I think Christian Derrissaw kind of got me excited when, when he looked at it and he said, you know, this really showed us what we are capable of. So now go into the off season, clean up a few things, get better in a couple spots and, and go from there. Yeah. And we already got ahead of the um, one score win regression by losing this one today. So we are, 0-1 in 2023, so I think that bodes well for our luck next year, but I don't know. All that stuff's overrated, so, you know, you are what your record says you are, and the Vikings are were um, NFC North champs this year and had um, some some really memorable times, so we'll look back on that at some point. We'll do also, like, I'm sure a bigger offseason conversation at some point, too, but some of the first things that come to mind, at least for me, are certainly the you know the big veteran contracts which we've talked about and we'll talk about again but um I think it's pretty easy to see a path for this Vikings offense being just as good next year as it was this year if not hopefully a little bit better um and it's a lot harder to see how do you improve the defense with everybody's old or not very good and you don't have much money or draft picks so that's kind of my overall view specifics of that include of course extending Justin Jefferson and TJ Hawkinson I think the best thing other than the memories to come out of this season is that TJ Hawkinson trade um a second round pick for what we're getting out of him I think is really well done by by Quasey and you know we're gonna have to pay him top tight end money but I think it's going to be worth it um in the long run and then of course Jefferson um sign him as quickly as you can so the other the third piece of that puzzle is Kirk interesting question under contract for Next year, um, for me, I would be a lot more okay with a one or two year extension this offseason than I was last offseason. But I don't know. It's a interesting question. Um, but I think, what is he, 34? Like, I'd be, a, I feel very good about him the next two seasons, I guess. Um, maybe three after that. It's, you know, year by year. But what do you think about kind of offensive moves, um, whether extensions or potential departures? Yeah, I think um, I'm a little more optimistic in in looking at this Vikings team because, like you said, it I think it's easy to project this offense to be, if not better, as good as they were this year. Um, now, granted, you got some some question marks on the offensive line on on people leaving, but you're also hoping people will continue to grow, different stuff like that, and on the defensive side. Yeah, it's hard to see us getting better, but it is hard to see us getting worse. <laughs> <laughs> it was pretty bad. Yep. Um, so I think that is is part of the reason I'm a little optimistic. Um, and I wouldn't say you're you're out of out of line, you know, jumping right into the offseason and who are we gonna cut? You know, Adam Thielen's wife is 20 hours ago already saying that that might be his final snap for a guy who is under contract for almost 20 million next year. Seems Seems like maybe some conversations have been had or the writing has been on the wall for one of Minnesota's favorites. Well, I hope she's right in the news that she's breaking. Um, yeah, I, th- I mean, 
again, when you look back at a season or a career, we're all going to remember Adam Thielen very fondly. Um, I think for a team like, you know, the Patriots or whoever else organizations that have been willing to, and maybe at sometimes to their downfall, but willing to move on a year early instead of a year late. I think we're already a year late on Thielen. So if it's two more years, if it's one more year, you know, I think you're just prolonging the inevitable and the cap situation. I'm no, you know, capologist or anything, but um, the, it looks pretty bad for 2023. I know with some pending moves, you know, enough that they can, I think work with it, but 2024, it's like wide open at this point. I think, I mean, that Jefferson contract, I think will hit, 2024, 25, you know, they're going to fill it up. But, um, you know, Quasi, everything he did this offseason was to preserve that flexibility a year, you know, from now. So I think that that's going to be the goal. And whether, you know, if it doesn't make much of a difference to play it out or to cut him or to trade him, then, you know, maybe they will. But, um, yeah, for he just really fell off the cliff this year. And I think his game is not one that ages um, super well compared to some other maybe receivers of his um, prototype. So um, yeah, once that, some of the explosion is gone, it just, yeah, it's really unfortunate. I think KJ is clearly the second best receiver. You know, I haven't looked at any draft stuff yet, but I still think that that's the best way to improve this offense would be another um, receiving threat, whether it's drafting a receiver or there's not many free agents, maybe the trade, I don't know, but I would draft a receiver high um, to go across from Thielen. Then you have those two and, Across from Hawk, Thielen. Hawkinson? Across from, oh, good Lord. Um, <laughs> in training camp, maybe, but then it'd be cut. Um, yeah, no, across from Jefferson, and then um, Hawkinson as your as your tight end. and Because I, I like KJ, but I don't think that he's explosive enough to be that, you know, receiver two that is really going to open things up, like a Jalen Waddle or, you know, someone like that. So that's, I think, the biggest way to improve the th- ceiling of this offense. And running back, I don't know, plug in whoever, Ty Chandler. I don't I don't think it matters with, with what O'Connell does. We're not getting the most out of Dalvin Cook, even if there's still something to get out of him. Yeah, absolutely. The the way I think that has been one of the most telling things is Kevin O'Connell, regardless if he has take your pick, Christian McCaffrey, the best running back in, in the NFL, he's not going to use them the way he wants to. Like we've been begging all year to run the ball on third and short and second and short and we and we haven't so plug in whoever you want plug in somebody that can catch passes and is electric and after he catches passes but um i think delvin's probably gone and this team is going to look a lot different and i think we need to be okay with that like you said i would say get ahead of all of those kind of cap moves for your hometown heroes um because if you wait dead cap bill this this year for nothing next year yeah yep yep um because if you you know you wait a year on Thielen you're only going to save six million in 2023 but then he's going to cost you seven million in 2024 compared to zero so it, it it may be very hard but that's that's what you got to do to to you know, open the books up to to Quasey and allow him to do what he wants in 2024. I mean, he's not 
really playable, I don't think, at this point. Not a wide receiver, too, at least. And he's still getting the second most snaps because they've got him plugged in there. Like, I think if if Osborne was in that position, maybe in some cases, we'd be better off. So, yeah, hopefully you can find, you know, receivers kind of grow on trees at this point. So hopefully you can find at least enough guys to be, you know, replacement level there. But, yeah, I think if you could hit on another potential star level receiver um, or just someone that's, you know, really – really good, you know, a, a T Higgins, someone like that, you know, these teams that have a counter to, because that's what you have to figure out now is, and Justin Jefferson has to figure it out too. He has to do be a little bit better against some of these doubles and stuff, but that's O'Connell's mission is to, that's the, the entire Vikings franchise mission at this point is to maximize what you have with Justin Jefferson, not just for his own, you know, record-breaking and best start to a career ever for a wide receiver, but because when you have that guy, that's how you win. So um, whether it's him producing or taking advantage of of what he gives you for other players. So that's the offense, I think. I would try to bring Bradbury back if you can um, at this point. But other than that, I feel good about the offensive line. So that's a nice place to be as well. And you know, Ed Ingram, like not great, but played the whole season and hopefully can improve too. So that's why I think you've got all your most important players there on offense. And then you just hopefully fill in with some guys that can bump up that ceiling a little bit, and then you're going to be in a really good spot. So impending Kirk extension, I would be okay with if it's one or two years, but maybe they ride it out. I don't know. I would also be okay with drafting a receiver or a quarterback just to, you know, throw a dart at the board um, the next couple of years and then have that succession plan. Cause again, not missing a beat with Jefferson when you, whenever that time comes, whether it's two, three years from now is important. Um, and trotting out, you know, Carson Wentz or someone, that's not what we want. So yeah, this is absolutely. your chance if you want to make the campaign for Florida quarterback. <laughs> um, yeah. What, uh, Anthony Henderson or whatever, um, th- that would definitely be a project. Mm-hmm. And it may require a Kirk ex- one to two year extension um, to to be a flawless transition. But do you want to try that, that name again? No, Richardson. Richardson. Yeah, yeah. I <laughs> uh, uh, it's been a long day. Yeah, you're not, um, not prepared. Yeah, I think, like you said, specifically with Ed Ingram, it took a couple years for both Ezra Cleveland and Bradbury to get to the level of play that they're at. So that I think the the full season he's going to get better hopefully steps on kirk less thing things go well there um but the defense is really really where i think the cuts are going to come the hardest in positions of need um and i don't know if you have five returning defensive starters next year yeah i think so I think the Daniil debate is really interesting. And I haven't looked at the contract. He's under contract next year, right? And then, but potentially he'd hold out and, you know, want a bigger deal. Who knows? So Zadarius really fell off the second half of the season. Um, so that's tough, tough to say what to do there. Um, and then Harrison Smith had a pretty, really good year overall, I think, but is paying safety that much doesn't make sense. So Kendrick's, who has been one of my favorite players his entire career in Minnesota, I think is probably the easiest cut at this point, And it's a shame, but he had a great, great career here. Um, yeah. 
I am excited about a Caleb. I'm excited about Duke Shelley if they resign him. I'm excited about, you know, scene coming back. That's what you, if you can have one of or two of scene, Andrew Booth, and a Caleb be good, then that draft is salvaged. And then from there, you got to, whether it's whether it's in the first round or or when finding a gem, Quasi's got to find a way to hit on like two blue chip defenders um, that are young, whether they be in the draft or, I mean, you could potentially go the Rams route and try trading for people, but I don't think we have the money for that either. So um, we got to hit because Rick Spielman didn't hit for years and years. I mean, he was living off that one draft for five years. So, and that's still our defense. <laughs> So, uh, so that's, you got to find it, um, whether it's a, you know, hopefully it's seen, hopefully seen, um, gets healthy and can be one of those guys. But after that, you've got to, got to find some of those in the draft, whatever you have to do to do it. I don't know, but that's what you, that's the, that's the only way to really turn this thing around. I think on defense with the resources that they have. So are you saying we already hit on Brian Asimov? That's why you didn't mention him to salvage the draft. <laughs> Yeah, I think. Yeah, I was trying to think of all the. Um, but I, but like you say, I think if if you can get three starters out of those four that are right. potential, you know, serviceable yeah. to be solid, you know, that then I think that that really changes things on how this defense looks. Daniel's contract um, holdout could definitely be an option, but I we end up paying more if we cut him. By five million, so I don't. I don't I, think I, they would cut him. I would be maybe a trade. You have to trade or something, and and maybe that's the answer. I I have no idea, but um, get another first for him. I mean, and then you can get a receiver and a defensive player in the first. I think I would probably go for that. Yeah, it, I mean, if you can get a, do you think you can get a first for Daniel? People were, I don't know, who knows what the people I follow on Twitter, um, if their trade value chart is correct, but they were saying maybe more. So I don't know. Um, I mean, the contract he's on. Yeah, with the contract he's on. Um, he's in the right and, system. That's and I don't know, question. with the void years, maybe that's our off-season game plan is to figure out how these <laughs> void years work. There's going to be more. <laughs> if, you know, if the trading team only has to pay him 13 and, and can extend him um, and spread that cap hit out, then, you know, maybe you if, you, if you can get a first and a second, mm-hmm. it was oh, really yeah. nice knowing you, Daniil, but hopefully go to a four, three and prosper. Yeah. And it's not that I, not that you need to give up on him at this point. Cause he's in his prime, but yeah, I think the reset is, is the most important thing. And that's, and you just need those draft assets to do it. So um, yeah, I guess that leads to the question. Do you want to predict whether or not Ed Donatel will be fired? You've got like, I don't know. It's like minus 400 on that probably. So it's pretty, um, seems like a pretty good chance. See, I think the tough part is, um, is I defended at Donatel for a lot longer than I should have this year saying that if we do fire him, then we're, we're back to square one with a new scheme and getting players to fit that scheme, et cetera. But with the defensive coaches, coordinators that potentially are going to be available i think you have to at least make some phone calls um i do not 
predict Ed to be the defensive coordinator come 2023 with the Vikings. Yeah, I think it's probably, I don't know that O'Connell has any huge attachment to him. And the one thing we were talking about too was maybe a first year head coach when he comes in may not have the pick of the litter on his coaches. You know, I think Donatello's very well respected, you know, but maybe he's got a now after the success of this year, maybe there's maybe you can go um, head hunting a little bit and bring in someone with a better idea of, of what you want. But at the same time, new schemes every year are not what we want either. So that's where on the offensive side, I think you're set up for success with offensive head coach, Kirk developing this scheme, Jefferson, everybody else. So hopefully they can take a step up on that side of the ball, but who knows? There'll be a lot to, a lot to come. Yeah. Start uh, maybe kissing some of your fan favorites. Goodbye. Uh, Maybe shopping for some new jerseys. Who knows by, by next season, but yeah, priority resign Jefferson Hawkinson, um, figure out the rest of the cap situation from there and yeah, give the, give the young guys a chance on defense. Yeah. If anybody needs to repurpose a Delvin cook 33 Jersey, mm-hmm. um, in a large tall, call me, hit me up. I should start. I should look, start looking on eBay for those. <laughs> That's good. I haven't mentioned and- Jalen Rager. Hope to be, hope he's on the team. Um, so this will be his fourth year, right? So I don't think they're going to go fifth year option, but I don't know what that, contract looks like but maybe he's the solution at wide receiver three i would be fine with that if if he feels appreciated enough to run all his routes to completion (laughs) just needs a full off season with keenan mccardell and we're gonna really figure it out so yeah this is the end of the vikings season comes to a crashing halt but was a great ride um appreciate everyone who listened um and allowed us to um just you know talk nonsense after every game it's it's fun to do and yeah we really appreciate it so school and yeah any final thoughts ryan on the 2022 2023 minnesota vikings no the only thing is school and we'll see you guys in september probably before then but yeah, yeah. <laughs> lots to happen at least we're not in a head coaching search this year that was not that much fun it was interesting, but I don't want to do that again. Sounds like Jim Harbaugh has informed the Wolverines that he will be back. Um, Instead of like the Vikings, he, if I can't be a Vikings, I don't want to be anybody. Well, yeah, like he informed them last year that this was the last time he would do yeah. interviews, and that didn't even last 365 days. So um, it'll be interesting to see. But uh, I'm excited that this team can stick with at least the offensive scheme um, because that also was a carousel under Zimmer, let alone a whole new coaching staff. Without knowing the offseason, preseason NFC North favorites are the Detroit Lions, the Minnesota I will, Vikings? I'll, I'll take the Vikings. I, I, I think we have a shot to do it again, but if <laughs> the national media loves the Packers so much, it would be hard to say, but I, I, I'll take the Lions. I think people are in on that and – they also have the most draft capital of almost anybody somehow, and they also have cap space. So who knows? Will Aaron Rodgers be back? I'm just going to do all these predictions, get them off, just rapid fire. No, Ooh. not in the NFC North. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's very interesting. Go So a trade then? 
I think retiring. Aaron Rodgers wants to be back and the Packers move on from him. Here's the thing. Yeah. Here's the thing. He has no, he does not have a no trade clause. They still so I don't pay know. him a lot if they trade him, if I recall correctly. It's 40 million on the cap if they trade him this year or if he retires um, in dead cap space. If he plays one more year in Green Bay and then decides to do this next year, it's a $68 million dead cap hit. So I expect them to get out from under that as quickly as they can. Yeah, the, the if the two Packers fans in my office are any indication, they both want to see Jordan Love. So that's where that's where people are. We should have been taking a straw poll at Lambeau, but I don't know. People probably feel differently today than they did a couple weeks ago. So, yeah, I think the Vikings are set up for this. We haven't even said competitive rebuild, quote unquote, this whole podcast. That's what the goal is. I think the competitive part is is there and will continue to be there. How do you rebuild to the point of getting out of this, you know, wild card round, making a real run is the question. So, but I've got some faith in Quasi and excited to see what he has up his sleeve. So we will follow along from here. And yeah, thank you again, everyone, for for listening this season and Skull Vikings. Skull. In situations like this, there's only two money guys on this team. Find them. Find them. Eighty, what you gonna do today? They got my A game. You got your A game? Yes, sir. You got his A game.